Hello, welcome to something slightly different. You may remember, well, some of the regular listeners to the thrash metal album, The Fortnite Club podcast will, no doubt, remember, Carl and I talking about a new feature, Returning Heroes. Anyone? Well, this is the first of that idea we spoke about probably about a month ago. So what has that idea of Returning Hero evolved into? Well, I wanted to take a personality within our world of heavy metal, be it a musician, a producer, a writer, an icon, etc., and explore more of their work in a little bit of detail. Also, like an introduction to that person, but using the idea of them returning as something that qualifies their inclusion. Now, this could be as simple as being in a band, leaving the band and returning sometime later. And many, many people could have qualified and indeed have and are already in the pipeline for forthcoming episodes. I mean, you probably now could think off the top of your head of a number of people that, you know, could be included in this. Uh, However, the person I went with has been so influential within metal, more so within the death metal scene, um, and he created some wonderful and memorable pieces of music. Um, He's been a member of a band, a guest musician, and he's also been heavily involved on the engineering side of things. So our first returning hero has indeed been a member of some of the biggest bands in the extreme metal world. I did say that, and he's made appearances as guest for numerous bands, okay? Any ideas yet? Thinking? Mm. With a distinct and very individual sound, when this guy unleashes one of his soaring solos, you know straight away who it is. He was literally an ever-present musician working tirelessly with some of the biggest bands in the early 90s. The returning part, though, so it sees our hero quite literally returning after the odds would have suggested that a return to music would be quite impossible. Okay. So without any more waffling from me about the returning hero and what it's about, let's get on. Okay. It will all become clear when we get to that part. I just want to say also that like the main podcast, this is like the main podcast. uh, It's going to be included in the main podcast, except there's no Carl, which, you know, (laughs) there'll be no swearing. All right. There's not going to be any swearing. There's not going to be any crude jokes. It's literally just a little bit of information. It's only for about 10, 15 minutes or so. So uh, I'm sure you can bear with me for at least that, that amount of time. Thanks so for taking the time to check it out. Um, there'll be a much detail, a, a less detailed version of this in the Facebook group. It'll be a written feature where I will include the links to some of the songs that I will, will be talking about in this, the far detailed um, version that you're getting as a kind of mini podcast. However, this is by no means a comprehensive look at our hero's career or an exhaustive list of his work. To do that, though, would require much, much more time. I will, however, focus on some standout and significant offerings from his stellar career. Um, So really just consider this as an introduction and hopefully, hopefully it will be um, an interesting and enlightening look of one of Metal's really prolific musicians and a nice guy as well. Welcome as we get stuck into the work of returning hero, James Murphy. So for many of you, this stuff will already be common knowledge. You'll know a lot of it and the bands James has been in will come as no surprise to you. However, in compiling this playlist that I've done as an addition to this feature, 
I've discovered loads of music that I wouldn't have done otherwise, okay? Um, so whilst a lot of James's work is within the death metal world, you can see if you listen to that playlist, there's a real variety of the music to which James has lent his considerable talents. Now, I'm not going to get into the equipment he uses, okay? Because whilst that would be of interest to a lot of people, um, it, I'm just going to purely focus on some of the music and the brilliance of his work. Now, much of the information that I've taken for this uh, mini podcast this feature has come from metal archives from wikipedia from interviews across the internet that i found but most of all the biggest source of information was from the talking bollocks podcast interviews that h has with james himself there was uh, one from 2017 and then one from the end of the summer last year in 2020 where at least i know the credibility of the information is genuine because it's come from james itself and i'll add links to those interviews they're fascinating uh, listening i'll add links to those anyway so um, when the written feature comes up we'll be able to you'll be able to link across to those interviews if you cho so choose to do so so we start at the beginning really james's interest came as much as ours did really from our family from parents uh, he remembers his dad took him to a kiss concert in 1979 and it was on the dynasty tour in 1979 uh, james remembered sitting on his dad's shoulders at that gig it always seems to be kissed doesn't it a lot of those american musicians anyway of a particular age uh sight kiss is really influential um he'd also play his dad's records he had a great record collection he would play them often when his dad wasn't in and his actual interest in playing physical music came again from playing his dad's acoustic guitar and again he did that and his dad wasn't around. So fast forward many, many years, and that love and dedication to music saw James playing with Agent Steel in 1987, where he toured Europe with them. Then a couple of years later, he of course replaced Rick Ross in Death, something that many of you will obviously know, and he'd go on to co-write four songs on spiritual healing. Sadly though, his relationship with Chuck Schuldiner deteriorated on the spiritual healing tour, and he moved on. However, I mean, if you listen to it, his trademark solos can be heard gracing that legendary album and the interplay that's going on between Chuck and him is simply wonderful. So from death, James moved to Tampa's obituary where he was um, replacing Alan West. Now, Alan's partner was expecting a baby and um, the, uh, the plan was that if Alan decided to come back if and when, they would take him back with open arms. They'd already recorded, already recorded, they already pretty much written Cause of Death. So James was invited to play the solos and go out on tour with Obituary. If Alan ever decided to come back, James was out. What happened? Alan came back and um, James moved on again. So from there, James played for British death metal band cancer on death shall rise he wasn't however and this is kind of a misconception he wasn't a full-time member of the band or an official member of the band he was merely a guest musician i say merely guest musician not to trivialize it but it is a guest musician who toured with cancer now he'd been working on his own project disincarnate at the time uh, explained in that first Talking Bollocks interview that I mentioned that the label Vinyl Solutions were pretty clever, really, on their 
inclusion of James in the promotional stuff for that album, possibly because they thought it might help the album sales. But he explained it in that interview. He said he tagged along to the photo session with the intention of being in the band shots, which would be used for the promotion of the tour. There would also be separate band photos without James in, which were to be used on the album cover. Final Solution used the photos with him for the album anyway, despite knowing he was in the development contract for his own disincarnate project for Roadrunner. Now, if you look on the back of Cause of Death, not Cause of Death, sorry, on Death Shall Rise, you'll see James sitting there with the other three members of the band. Um, so that's often why people thought he was a member of Cancer. So in 1993, his disincarnate project released Dreams of the Carrion Kind. It was released on Roadrunner a brutally heavy death metal album scattered with James's distinctive solos and the riffs. Oh, it's just a riff fest, really. A real monstrous production going on. Really, really, despite, obviously, the musical climate was changing at that time. You know, thrash is gone. Death metal was kind of steamrolling in a kind of extreme metal scene. But obviously, um, like I said, the musical climate changing. They went on a, a, a tour it was a financial loss, the tour, you know, a bit of a financial disaster. And when they came back, band members moved on to get, you know, whatever jobs they deemed needed to do. James got a job in a warehouse at this time. It was whilst working in this um, warehouse job that he got a call from an A&R guy, an artist and repertoire guy, Mike Gitter was his name, or Gitter, sorry. There's a T in there somewhere, Mike Gitter. It's one of those names that kind of comes up in... There's so many people, aren't there, that are involved in thrash metal, metal, death metal, heavy metal, but, you know, all these names that you you hear about, you don't know what they do, but Mike Gitter Gitter was an A&R guy. He was asked to play guitar for Testament, or at least um, come on audition. Alex Skolnick was leaving, or had left, so James wrote a solo for what would become Dog-Faced Gods. And on the strength of that solo, a solo that ended up staying on pretty much as it was for the final album, on the strength of that solo that he wrote, he was invited down for an audition and he got the job. So James played and he's got songwriting credits on Low, which was 1994. This was surely, if you know, if you've heard Low, you'll know that it's Testament's heaviest album at this point. A beast of an album. Um Whilst he didn't play on the next album, 1997's Demonic, he did play on a reissue of Demonic in 2002, if my facts are right or if the internet is right, uh, which was on the final song called Rapid Fire. And he then returned, there you go, he returned in 1999, again on The Gathering. So missing out a fair bit of detail at this time, it was whilst on the gathering tour with Testament that there were changes in James's behaviour. Um, it led to him departing at the end of the tour, really. It was his increasing problems with what would result, no one knew at the time, what would result as a brain tumour. They were presenting themselves in his physical and mental traits. There was fatigue and memory loss, etc. Not really knowing what was going on. Testament, though, felt they needed to get, James just needed to get help for whatever the problem was. Um, you know, James's personal situation changed and it worsened 
pretty much from being homeless and having to couch surf on friends and family's couches uh, until his father finally accompanied him to an optician, say finally accompanied him, um, his father accompanied him to an optician's appointment because he was really struggling to read and focus at this point. So whilst at this appointment, the optical worker overheard James saying to his father that his vision was as if someone had smeared Vaseline over his eyes. Now, James explains this in quite detail in the Talking Bollocks interviews, and it really makes for interesting and compelling listening, hearing him talk about this period of his, his life. So the diagnosis of a brain tumour pressing on his optic nerve was pretty quick in coming after that. Um, the quick thinking of the optical worker um, kind of started the ball rolling and surgery was necessary as, as his tumour was slowly killing James. It was, you know, that, that was the only outcome. There was a 50% chance of survival, um, surviving the surgery. James's sex, so surgery, sorry, was a success. 70% of the golf, free golf ball sized um, tumour. I mean, imagine that, uh, you know, tumour the size of three golf balls in your head and 70% of it was removed and the rest was treated with medication. So this period of life, as I said, requires so much more attention, really. I do urge you to um, track down, follow the links and listen to the interview that, that I will link to this because it really is fascinating and compelling to listen to. So our hero, James, quite literally returned. He did. He was our returning hero. And gradually he started to work again. Work, though, was as a recording engineer, focusing on mixing, mastering and production, as well as a guest and session musician. These areas of expertise he started developing prior to the illness. And the need to be near his doctors after the surgery and during his recovery, plus the physical strains of touring has on one's body, meant being a touring musician was not an option. Playing live then was a very rare occurrence for James Murphy. The Roadrunner United shows that he was part of in uh, New York in 2005 being the exception. James's influence and legacy as a musician and reputation on the engineering side of music meant James was able to work with many, many, many musicians. A handful of them here. Gorguts, Malevolent Creation, Dath, Firewind, Nevermore, Lazarus A.D., Abigail Williams, James Labrie, and also Conqueror, Danish extreme death metal band. There'll be a playlist of 10 of these collaborations which will be added in the links and either in the comments of this podcast or as a link in the written feature about returning heroes, which will be posted in the Thrash Metal album, The Fortnite Club Facebook group in a week's time. James also revealed in the interviews with H there is some material for the new Disincarnate album, the follow-up to 1993's Dreams of the Carrying Kind. Looking forward to that because uh, it's a fantastic album, that album. So anything with um, a, a similar quality, you know it's going to be quality. It's exciting. James also spoke about a new project that he's involved, which is called Bloodverus. 
So not an awful lot of information about that, but blood for us. But more recently, James collaborated on a charity single, Metal Against Coronavirus, along with Carl Willits, of course, a bolt thrower and memoriam, and Jeff Becerra of Possessed um, and a number of other musicians. The song he guested on is called Celestial Burial, and it came out in December. So again, I'll add the links to that in the written version of this feature. As I said earlier, the information contained in this piece has been gathered from across the web. And I am going to apologise because there's going to be some glaring omissions. There's going to be some things that I've missed out for sure. There may be some inaccuracies as well. Okay, you know, the intention really was just to celebrate the works of one of metal's real genuine legends. Well, to me anyway. Hopefully that's come across. I hope it has. Um, It's a shame I can't play little snippets of songs in between my mumblings, but the links will be added somewhere. So who knows if that tribute to death, the one that James has worked on in the past, will ever see the light of day. What is sure, though, I believe that in our small world of heavy music, there's gifted musicians whose creativity and imagination contribute so much to this music we love. Okay, we know that many of them have interesting tales about their lives. Many of them want you to tell those interesting tales. Many of them just are quite happy going about their business and doing what they do more reserved and they're you know more understated and their ongoing commitment and passion for music is a true reflection of their character and personality i believe james murphy's contribution to metal cannot be underestimated and will continue to be enjoyed for years just as his influence and legacy will continue to inspire he should be rightly heralded as one of metal's icons i think so anyway (laughs) you might differ you might beg to differ Um, but he's a man that literally disappeared from this scene but thankfully returned and continued making music with and for people after having fought one hell of a personal battle to do so so if you can take anything from this returning heroes feature hopefully you can discover and enjoy something from the playlist i've linked will will, the, the playlist that i will link either in the comments or in the feature in the written version um, and hopefully you've enjoyed it. It's only been about 10, 15 minutes. Like I said, it's not a in-depth feature, but it was just a kind of, hopefully a little bit of a tribute to James Murphy, as it were, from me, but also a kind of way that we can link in some songs. The next hero, our next returning hero, will be... You're going to have to wait for that one. <laughs> You're going to have to wait and see. But thanks, so for taking the time to listen. Uh, I look forward to hearing um, any thoughts you might have about this piece and any ways I can improve it. And I, I'm afraid I can't go any deeper on the voice, so you're just going to have to persevere with the, uh, the the delivery at the moment. But um, hopefully it's something that you've, you've enjoyed as members. It's just a way of kind of giving back to the club. And um, yeah, look forward to hearing what, what your comments are and any suggestions for any other returning heroes that there might be in your head that you know you'd like to see covered? So hopefully you can get stuck into the written feature that's going to be coming up in a week or so and enjoying some of the playlists that I'll be putting together. Thanks again. <laughs>